As many of you know, I was on my sabbatical, and uh, on my sabbatical, I learned a great many things, um, and it was an interesting journey. And so when I came back, we're doing a series that's a little different than the normal sermon series because we're focusing on Christian worldview. And so in doing that, we're basically showing you how Jesus saw the world and then how we should interact with the world based on how Jesus saw it and not upon the way we used to see it when we walked in a different lifestyle. So as we go through this series, many, uh, many things have occurred that have been very interesting. And, and when I look back on the, the sermon series, I thought, you know what, we really need to probably do a little update to give you the previously version. Previously, we learned a lot of things. But last week, we asked you to take an take a online survey about what form of communication do you use online? What social media platforms do you use? And what's interesting is the top three platforms that, are, that people in the church use are consistent with pretty much the top three platforms in the globe right now on this planet. The first one is Facebook. Can anybody have guessed that? 79% of you use that. The next one, can anybody guess what the next one would be? No, no, you missed it. Come on, guys. What? What's the next one? No, no, not Twitter. What? No, no. Social media platform. People don't think about it, but it's number two in the world. YouTube. Thank you. YouTube, number two with 71%. Now, the third one was Instagram. Now, what's interesting is our church did veer away from culture on the fourth one. On the fourth one, I was actually fascinated to see that uh, can anybody even guess what 46% of our church uses? Uh, ah, my daughter. Pinterest. Pinterest. I know you're out there. I don't, I don't really use Pinterest, but I guess it's a, I guess it's a thing. So, um, but what was fascinating was to just show you that this culture is changing. I tried to express to you that we are in the bubble of change that occurs before a whole new world era is rolled out in history. Much like the Industrial Revolution or something like that, we are in a global expansion of change. And over, we're, not, we're not done with it. It's going to take, it won't be done for another two decades probably. But what's fascinating to me is the journey going there. And we need to share with people how do you live a healthy Christian life through all this? How do you share the love of Jesus with others through all this? Because whether you like what's happening or not really does not matter. God is allowing these things to occur because he is the great mover of all history. And he's allowing all this stuff to happen and we are in the middle of it, chosen by him in this time, in this space, to his purpose. So what do you do with all of this becomes the question, not whether or not it's going to happen, because it will happen. In fact, we showed you that in the journey just recently what's happened, I'm in the communication business. Well, take a look at communication. Since 1792, I showed you, you have an insert in your bulletin. Since 1792, the explosion of communication happened in the last decade or two. In fact, not since the Romans wrote or the very invention and first press printing of the Bible have you seen such a revolution start. You are you could right now I could take my phone 
me grab my phone. Right now, I could take my phone and I could, I could uh, Facebook live stream to Africa. Real time, global. Never in the history of the world has that been possible. Never, ever, ever. We live in an unprecedented time of communication change. And it's still going on. It's still going on. You thought it was so busy the last 10. Wait till the next 10. And we as Christians need to know how to navigate through that. How do you raise children through that? How do you manage your own time through that? Remember we explained that children on average spend, youth spend an average of 6.5 hours. And that's actually being increased up to almost 8 hours on social media a day. The sheer presence in that. And what that does to you and how that affects your family and your life. And yet, we talked about, when we focused on life and all the things of life, we talked about the big picture hasn't changed. The big picture is that you're still the ambassador for Christ. You're still presenting the gospel, sharing the truth. As Masaki well put it, that love of Christ should be shown through whose social media feed? hours. I got to be honest, guys, and I, I'm in the boat with you, because remember, I went on sabbatical, I learned all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, teach the old dog new tricks. I'm engaging two disciplines and habits I've never had in my life, and I've just started them, and I'm sitting there going, good grief, and this is not going to slow down. But you have not changed your job. Your job description hasn't changed. You're still ambassadors for Christ. If you don't know Christ, we are here to appeal to you with the good news of Jesus Christ that you need a Savior. The message has not changed. We talked about how the problem with the Internet is there's been an identity theft going on. And Masaki actually dealt with this too. He said, listen, we lose that battle. Why? Because somehow somebody stole the identity of Jesus online. Somehow, we made Jesus about everything he's not. In fact, our true identity as believers is found in a Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, who empowers us and models for us the way we should live. That's what we talked about last week. He's the one that empowers us. He's our Savior. You know, if the world needed a, a, a better product, they would have sent the inventor. We needed a Savior. And that is what we should be presenting to the world. That love of God who desires to save the broken, we should be presenting that to the world. So let me just share to catch you up a couple of things. First of all, on the back of your insert here, take a look at this. Uh, these were just some recent assessments. The lag time on assessments, by the way, real-time re uh, assessments of what's going on in culture, the lag time is 7 to 14 years. So by the time you actually learn what the phone actually does and the impact it has on you, negative or good, it'll be too late. So listen carefully as we go through this. We're going to learn how to put healthy habits in place. This is dealing with 12th graders, 10th graders, and 8th graders. And what they found is when all of a sudden when the smartphone hit, which was 10 years ago, I can't believe it, it was just 10 years ago. Notice some of the uh, research that's dealing with how teenagers have approached this. As of 07 and then 08, 
The, phone, the iPhone was released in 07, and then look at what has happened over the last three years. In fact, remember, in 2014, handheld computing devices surpassed desktops and laptops. This is the number one computer right here. Remember, 20% of millennials don't even have a computer anymore. They just have smartphones. And so what's happened is, notice, have our teenagers been affected by it, you think? The middle school girl research that just came out last end of last year, beginning of this year, showed that middle school girls who are on their cell phones X amount of hours will have social disorders. They will have problems. If you parent and allow your middle school girls to have a phone and be on that phone for X amount of hours, she will have issues in her life. It is fascinating. But notice what's going on here, guys. The issue of not getting sleep. As of the last three years, that was 2012, 13, 14, 15, and now we're in 2017, and that line, I promise you, has not gone down. Maybe it leveled off. More likely to feel lonely, skyrocketed. These aren't gradual curves. These are cliffs and mountains. And this is, by the way, happening not just in uh, people who don't go to church. This is happening in people who do, do go to church. And we got to figure out how do we navigate that. And so I want to show you how Jesus dealt with people. And I want to show you his worldview on dealing with people. And I want to give you some healthy boundaries through your life of how to deal with these things. One of the things I gave you last week is my kids now, they don't go to sleep with their phone anymore. They put their phones on the entry table and they go to bed. And they go, well, your kids will say, yeah, but my, my alarm's on my phone. Then you tell them, buy an alarm. <laughs> They're five bucks, ten bucks. I checked it on Google. <laughs> All right? So the reality is create healthy boundaries, simple boundaries that will distance you from the onslaught of what this does to you. It's amazing how people who focus too much on the news or too much on social media feeds can become very depressed people. You see, our true identity isn't found in that. This first hit me. It was very fascinating to me, the contrast of religion. Religion, by the way, is any organized system of beliefs. So there are a lot of religions in the world, but even Christianity has a form of religion. We have an organized system of beliefs that Jesus shared with us. So I want to talk to you a little about a true religion. I was in New York doing part of my research on this, and I was in the subway. And so the New York subways are interesting. So I get in the subway, and, you know, I'm sitting there like this. I'm standing up. And what's fascinating is a young man comes into the subway, and, he, and he's wearing a T-shirt. And on the T-shirt it says something. Can anybody tell me what that brand is? Uh, you guys are old. Where's the hipsters? Come on. What is that brand? Anybody? On the back, right up here, it's going to say something. True religion. I was looking at a T-shirt... And the guy was a young, you know, hipster guy, and, you know, he was, uh, he was a little more Hispanic Asian. He was sort of the metro male thing going. He had the tattoos, he had the T-shirt, and he had the true religion on the back of his T-shirt. I just sat there thinking, true religion. My first thought in my head was, I wonder what he actually believes. Right? But that wasn't the fascinating journey. Then another guy gets on 
the uh, subway. So he's standing here. And then another guy gets on, and he walks over here and stands here. And this is, uh, so you got this young uh, uh, metro guy. You have this uh, young uh, black American guy with his T-shirt. He comes into a T-shirt, and his T-shirt has, what would Jesus do on it? Now, I'm not talking just what would Jesus do. This isn't the T-shirt. I couldn't actually find it. He must have had it custom made. It had something like God is, something on the front real big. And it had, what would Jesus do, like back here real big, like down lower. You know, it was actually a cool T-shirt. But the guy looked very similar to the other guy. He just, you know, the T-shirt and uh, the ta- he had tattoos on and, you know, young, 20, 25, whatever, somewhere in that zone. And so I'm, sta- I'm standing in the, in the subway looking at true religion and looking at religion, true religion. And, and it... And so you got this, uh, this metro guy, you got this uh, black guy, and you got this old white guy. And I can't even remember what I was wearing. I promised you it wasn't that hip. All right? But they're, they're wearing these shirts. And, you know, when I came back, I said, I'm going to wear these red sneakers just to be more cool. Right? And it started my mind thinking, in your life, the way you live your life, Do you live your life as a true religion to Jesus Christ? Would you wear it on a subway? Now, here's the kicker. This guy with the what would Jesus do probably paid 25, 30 bucks for his shirt. I went on and priced true religion t-shirts. You know how much a t-shirt is? I just thought, you know, they're sloppy, you know, guys. They just want to throw a t-shirt on, right? Okay, so... So I go on and I price their T-shirts, okay? And so I sit there and, and I got my own T-shirt. Now that neon faith, okay? So now I'm a hipster, <laughs> all right? Actually, I'm not because another gal told me you need stretchy jeans, stretchy pants, and then I need some sort of leather shoe with an inch heel, right? So I'm not quite there, but I'm, work, I'm working on it. So I have this neon faith thing going. That shirt, True Religion, those shirts on average, average, a little lower and a lot higher, 69 bucks for a T-shirt. Even the sales were at 40 bucks. Super sale, right? For this, I'm guessing my wife, how much? One buck. Um, <laughs> I'm like, cheap. <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, I'm sitting there going, true religion. Really, would you wear it on a subway in New York? Is it you want to be the hipster or do you want to be the follower? Because I'll, I'll bet you money, one of those guys had true religion and the other one didn't. And when I saw those guys on the subway, it challenged my heart. I sat there and I thought, is, is, am I wearing Jesus out loud? Doesn't matter what, how old you are. You, you can't hide. On social media, you can't hide your profile. And if you do hide your profile, nobody knows you're a Christian on social media. Maybe you're not. Because you can't hide your life on social media. They're going to put something up there about you, something. I don't know what it is. Your education, blah, blah, blah. You will have a profile whether you like it or not. The question is, what will it be? 
I told you about how they're using smart fabric in the Jansport. Remember that one, the backpacks, the Jansport backpacks? They're testing them right now, 5,000 backpacks. And if they all have these designs, and if you walk by somebody and you want to get to know them, you take a picture of their Jansport backpack, and it shows their profile on your phone. You have a profile. Who will you be in this new era? Will you have a true religion or just be hip and trendy? Now, me, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be wearing the hip and trendy all the time, but I would love to show you what true religion does. Because one of the things in James that teaches us about true religion is if anyone appears to be religious, but they can't control their tongue or their social media feed, they deceive themselves, and maybe we may be sure that his religion is useless. Religion that is pure, genuine in the sight of God the Father will show itself by such things as visiting orphans and widows in their distress and keeping oneself uncontaminated by the world. By doing things in your life to love other people, not isolating yourself with social media. And when you do go on social media, which you will, who will you represent? What religion? Because the religion of our culture right now is hedonism. Are you a hedonist? Is it all about you and your personal pleasure? Because you may find that that's more true than we like to think. True religion, folks, ultimately cares about people. So I want you to turn to a story in Scripture of Jesus in John chapter 8. And I want you to take a look at this story and see how Jesus dealt with people. In John chapter 8, how does Jesus uh, keep himself free from the contamination of the world? How did he separate himself out? How did he deal with people who are obviously... Uh, covered in sins and struggles, issues. So Jesus, in chapter 8, went to the Mount of Olives. And at dawn, in verse 2, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them, as is the Hebrew custom, to sit to teach. The teachers of the law who were more strict about the law and the commentary on the law. And the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. She had slept with another woman's husband. They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, imagine if somebody was brought in like that right now in our service. Talk about legalism, right? They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, Rabbi, this woman, she was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, the old covenant, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Put her to death. That was the, the way we were taught. Now, what do you say? What do you say? Now, this is interesting, verse 6. Pick this up. They were using this question as a what? A trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Anybody ever try to draw you into a trap? But Jesus, 
This is, again, fascinating. Learn from the master, please. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Like this. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, then he stooped down and he wrote more on the ground. At this point, those who heard began to go away one at a time. And get this one, the older ones first. Why? Because they were the more revered, respected authorities. The older ones first started to leave until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. So Jesus straightened up and asked her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. People try to... I've heard so many stories what he wrote on the ground. If what he wrote on the ground was important, it would be in the Bible. All right? What he wrote on the ground is simply to show whatever that was... It turned away all accusers. And Jesus was being put into a very hard place. He's being put into a place where, do you really believe what you believe? Because in the Old Testament, she's put to, put to death. Do you really believe it, Jesus? So he's being drawn into a trap, while at the same time, this woman stands. She, notice she's not defending herself. She stands accused because she actually did it. She had slept with another woman's husband. She was in adultery caught. So he stands between two sins. And he deals with life. And sometimes I feel when I go on social media, it's like standing between two sinners trying to figure out what the right road is. Some who are religious or think they are religious or their religious is worth nothing. And others who are caught in sin and are feeling the guilt and the burden of it and are just overwhelmed by the world. And then people suck me in and say, oh, oh, how do you stand on this or that? And it's like two wrongs trying to make one right. It doesn't work that way. Two wrongs don't make one right. Two wrongs makes things really evil. It's the great ingredients of evil. And so Jesus teaches us what true religion is about. He shows us a beautiful picture here that I think we all need to hold on to. True religion wants to save people, not condemn them. If your faith in Jesus is real and authentic and true, your desire is to get out into this world personally, physically, daily, and save those who are broken. Social media, yes, there too, everywhere. You're the ambassador of salvation. We are not in the time of God's condemnation. We are in the time of God's favor. We are in the day of salvation. When we follow Jesus, we're taught to follow Jesus. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. 
He came into the world to save it. I want to be very clear on that because a lot of Christians don't act that way. They live under the old covenant, stone her. And you got to get your thinking straight when you're going to follow Jesus in this current culture as it's changing into a new world history. Jesus' message will not change. He is not here to condemn these people. There will be a day. He will be the judge. Not you, not me. We are here to save people. So, we know the answer to the world's condition. And even to our own struggles will not be found in a platform. It will be found in a savior. It's not going to be found in a social media platform. It's not going to be found in a political platform. A a social platform of justice. It's not found there. You're not going to find your salvation in a platform. You're going to find it in a person. A person who wants a personal relationship with you. Whatever Jesus wrote, whatever he did, it had the power to turn away all authority. Because he had come into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. His heart was to save this woman, not to condemn her. He could have. He could have. She was wrong. It's blatantly, obviously wrong. He's amongst all his peers. Everybody's watching him. What's this guy going to do? And he broke with the law. Did you catch that? He broke with the law because he was introducing a whole new covenant, a whole new testament, a whole new way of living into the world. And that way of living, my friends, focuses on people's salvation. When you see a broken marriage, you want to help them come to a savior. When you see an addict, you want them to have a savior. They don't need rehab. They need a reconstruction of the heart, which comes through a savior first. You can sober up and still kill somebody. Is that important? Should we ignore social justice? No, we should engage it highly. But the platform we stand on is Jesus. It's where we start. It's the foundation of who we are. And this world of religion, Christian religion, they're going to bring the the people caught in adultery. People like to highlight that. And then this world we live in is going to sort of rejoice in the obscenities. It was crazy. It was crazy. I was listening to someone share. This is a true story. I'm listening to a couple people talk and debate. And uh, the one person uses some very colorful language. We would call it vulgarity, right? And very, very accepted in the world. And many people know this person. So they're talking about the vulgarity. You know, she's, uh, they're using the expletives. And then they want to describe somebody who also has a bad problem with their language and how they talk. And in describing them, they, they said, and, and you know what? They are nasty. Nasty. Who uses the word nasty? Like you're using blankety, blankety, blank, and the worst you could think of for someone else is they're nasty? Nasty? Really? That's something on the kindergarten playground. You're so bad, you don't even know how to call another person bad. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like the pot calling a kettle black. It was crazy to me. I was like, 
these two wrongs should be in the room together to hear each other. Are you listening? When you stick to Jesus and his salvation, your religion will become true. And you will never have to be misguided by this world or contaminated by it. Don't allow yourself, your life, to be contaminated in this world. The other thing Jesus did at the very end, though, is notice, notice what he says to her. He didn't let her off in that sense. He basically says, I don't condemn you. I'm not going to judge you here now, but I tell you this. And he writes it in the imperative, which means he commands it to her. He's not, he's not soft peddling. He's speaking truth and love. Jesus is grace and truth. He spoke truth and love. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. And this too teaches us something. It teaches us that true religion carries a conviction with it. Man, I'll tell you what. I meet some people who follow Jesus, and I'm wondering if their religion is true, not based upon what they say they believe, but based upon how they show conviction over it. You know, it, if the Bible's... Listen, that young guy that had the true religion t-shirt on, he had conviction. What? He truly believed that that's a cool shirt, and he's going to spend 69 bucks on a shirt. 69 bucks. I'm still wrestling with that. Anyway, but that's the wave. A t-shirt. You think he had conviction or belief that that shirt made him something or described him as something? Absolutely. Why else would you spend 69 bucks on a t-shirt? And you know that other guy who, who wore it out loud? He showed something too. He showed conviction. They both were wearing brands. You see where I'm going there? They both had brands on. If you're going to wear a brand, then brand yourself the right way. All right? Not everybody likes brands. True religion does not approve wrong behavior. It lovingly corrects it. Lovingly correct wrong behavior. That is so important. So the biggest question that comes out of this message as you begin to look at it is pretend you're on the bus, uh, the subway with me, stuck between these two gentlemen, and ask yourself a simple question like I did. They were in their early 20s. I'm in my early, older years. How true is your religion? One of the things I'm doing right now is I'm going to be doing uh, in a series of videos for social media called uh, encouragement videos, be encouraging. And I started this week, and some of you maybe saw it. If you didn't, uh, feel free to uh, Facebook me. It sounds so weird. Feel free to, I'm going to be accepting everybody. So it's like unconditional love, whatever. You, you want to be my friend, be my friend, kind of thing. And again, it might take me a little time to French you. I'm a little slow on this thing. But the funny thing is, I'm doing these short videos. For 30 days, I'm going to be doing a little encouragement banners, videos. Because it's very true that we need to encourage each other daily as long as it's called today. And we can't get deceived by sin's hardened nature that it pulls on us. You need to encourage daily. So 
I'm doing these videos. So take a look at this one on day two. The heart can be encouraged, which is actually pretty interesting that you can speak words, uh, you can write words, you can, Jesus was really good about this. And uh, anybody I've known that has really built me up has been good at this. It's the idea that they see in you a character or a trait that they sit there and they inspire that. They, they see your compassion and they say, wow, you know, you're a really compassionate person and I think you are gonna do some wonderful things with that. Inspiring and encouraging people is so important. Uh, that reaches the heart. And it's an expression of love that a lot of people have never learned. They don't look at people and look for those things in them that would inspire. You, you have to tell them what it is that you love about them. And it has to be something that's true and real. This kind of encouragement is a skill that you have to practice and you have to work on. But when you start to inspire and encourage people at who they are, their heart, man, you become a blessing to others. Today is a day you can do that. Uh, see how easy or hard it is for you to just go out there and encourage someone at the heart of who they are. In doing it, you're gonna be a blessing to someone else. We need that encouragement and that inspiration. So, well, thank you. My daughter clapped, hey, hey. Okay, by the way, this wasn't for ego. I wanna share this with you. One thing I've learned, and I'm only on what, day three or four, right? This is what I've learned. I have to focus on every day giving you something that's encouraging, that comes through the word of God, but also just speaks into culture, right? Having to focus every day on the act of encouragement transforms you. Because it is what you're supposed to do. The problem is most of us were never raised and taught how to do it. It's a discipline. All of a sudden you start waking up around day three, four, five, or six realizing, oh, wow, this is not, I thought it would be easier, right? I thought I would just wake up and be, oh, the encouraging manna from heaven guy, right? No, you have to focus, focus, focus. What I'm telling you guys is this. True religion focuses on Jesus. And when you focus on Jesus, he tells you to encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, guys. And I love that about us. And so in closing, I just wanted to share with you that video and feel free to join me in the journey and challenge yourself. And last of all, by the way, many of you have reviewed us on Yelp, by the way, which is, is an outreach and so I just wanted to, again, thank you for yelping. We appreciate your continued yelp. <laughs> Let us close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much that in this ever-changing world that your truth and your grace is consistent and ever sure. And no matter what the world thinks of us, we've always had enemies. We've always had those who would persecute us. But I pray, Father, we have an unprecedented opportunity to be a witness, to be ambassadors to our neighbors and our friends, both physically as we walk upon this earth, to those who would be uh, the ones we love, but also on this new platform of communication that expands into the whole world. And I pray, Father, that our religion would be true to who you are, Jesus, because we were called by your name for your purpose and not our own. And may you be glorified in your name. Amen.